Oh, I feel kind of sick. I don't know what's going on with me. I don't know. Cat, heal me. She's not going to do it. If the cat can't heal you, no one can. Well, maybe learning Um, to love ourselves will be enough to heal me. Healing enough. To fight off the it. Maybe maybe your um, residual... You're 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 just like residually like depressed from losing by like a point two points. Hey, from me. No. Okay, sorry. I won't bring it up again. Little bitch is trying to chew. <laughs> hey, she wants my attention so desperately that she started chewing on the foam, the soundproofing foam. <laughs> She's like, oh, Eleanor's that way where she gets a cord and she'll just like wrap it. Around. She's looking I'm at like, me. Thanks. While she does it. She's like. <laughs> I, will, I will play with oh, you after that this. Dick. God. Um, I, I, like, I am, no. I am a little depressed uh, because if I had done my research on uh, best foreign film a little better or at all, then I would have. <sighs> I, I'm a little depressed, honestly, as well. I kind of wish I hadn't won. Like, cause I feel like, no, I, I'm, I'm just stating this of like, I'm, I'm, I'm being genuine. This was such an underwhelming Oscars. Right? It was so underwhelming. And the fact is like, yeah, I won because it's really like, I like statistics and it's a, it was a really predictable year based on statistics. What surprises and were there so, really? I mean. Um, nothing really. Like, and yeah, no, I mean, like, everything was pretty much as expected. And I mean, like, getting 18, I was just like, I shouldn't have gotten that high. Like, I wish I, I, I at the end, was actually really cheering for Get Out to yeah. win. Like, I was, I got actually kind of upset, even though I, you know, said, you know, Shape of Water. Right. And I had three billboards. I mean, we were playing the odds, but. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, it's, it, it. I just I wanted some shakeup. Like I I don't know. I wanted I don't know. I don't know. I wanted something more interesting. It was just it was really bad. The jokes felt really flat. Like the highlight for me was uh uh was Maya Rudolph and uh Tiffany Haddish. I was it yep, Tiffany? Tiffany Haddish. Yeah, that's what, that's what I thought. Um, her wearing her dress because, like, she has this ongoing bit because she spent like several thousand dollars on this dress for the premiere of her movie, and then she wore it on SNL twice, and which was mm-hmm. great. And then, like, her coming on wearing it, she didn't bring it up that she was wearing it, but like their whole bit was great. Like, I want to see them in a movie together. I think that would be really really funny. Um, that was like the highlight for me was that I thought the going into the movie theater was awful. Like, it did not play. I felt like it was really stupid. Yeah. It felt very like, oh, it, I don't know, it felt elitist to me. Like, you guys should be so happy your movie got interrupted by these celebrities. Yeah, every time the Oscars tries to do, a, it's the same when they paraded that tour group through. Every time they try to do a something, something where they reach out to regular people too, it just, it, it, does come across as elitist but more so just completely out of touch it's like you folks don't even watch the movies you make do you like you don't know anything about the general public like i understand being a celebrity you are pretty removed you have to be for your own protection in some cases but 
just even forgetting our current political climate and how Hollywood is being vilified by a president whose popularity was largely created by Hollywood. Um, it's still like, come on guys, you're all wealthy, uber successful, and you're going to just bombard people in a movie theater. Like, Hey, isn't this fun? Look, we're in a movie theater too. Uh, it was just, yeah, it felt very, it felt stupid. And I was just like, I honestly, yeah, it'd be cool if like a bunch of celebrities came in while I was watching an advanced screening of Wrinkle in Time. That might've been more interesting than watching Wrinkle in Time. But, uh, but it was also, I just felt like, I was like, it's disruptive. Like, no, they didn't want that. And then they make that guy, like they put him on the spot and, and tell him like he's got to introduce an Oscar. And like, it just, it felt all very... Meh. I think maybe if they had, had like a little kid doing it, because like I feel like that's sort of the idea behind Wrinkle in Time, and like that would have been a cool way to do that. Also, who goes to an advanced screening across the street from the Oscars? Like, I, I parking is such a bitch <laughs> in LA already. <laughs> There's literally that no was the parking. Most impossible part and of now, the whole thing. For me, yeah, that's that's I take issue with that. But uh, yeah, so I think that is a great crossover, though, to the fact that we saw Wrinkle in Time this so week. So you don't have to. Exactly. This is going to be spoilerific, and we had feelings, and I, I, we already know how one another feels about it, because we did have that quick phone call yesterday. But it was funny, because I was at my friend's, uh, and she was listening to our conversation. She's like, ooh, should I not see it? I think it's hard because this is a book, first off, by Madeline. I'm going to pronounce her name wrong. Madeline Langle? Sure. Langle? I don't know. Um, it's, you know, beloved by, I feel like, our generation. It came out when we were all, you know, grade school, middle school, depending on your age. And it was a book that was very much written to never be made into a movie. It is. It, it's sort of, to me, there's certain books that... I feel like it can almost like do more damage to be made into a movie. And I was doing a little bit of research on it. And it's just, there's just, it's such a complex plot that really I feel like only makes sense in the book. I think to try and endeavor to fully encapsulate what this book was about in a film, you're going to undersell something. You're going to, you're, you're going to cut something short. Like this is just, this is the problem, and I feel like I think Ava DuVernay, she captured the essence in certain ways that I felt were much better than the made-for-TV movie many years ago. But I think that it was talent that was kind of wasted. Yeah, it. Um, as someone who hasn't read the book, I, I went in, you know, kind of, with a vague understanding, but not really having any emotional investment. I'm like, if it's good, it's great. If it's not, eh, whatever. Um, but I was so disappointed with this movie. I have a movie pass. Didn't cost me anything out of pocket. I wanted mm-hmm. my money back. I was so I like uh, about 50 minutes in. I just started thinking about things that I'm writing, and was like, how can I avoid? all of these traps that have befallen this this film. And like I don't, I don't want to be a dick, you know. I I don't want to be you well. 
not about this. I don't want to ever be okay. shitty about people making things because making things is hard, especially film. There's so many moving parts and for any movie, but I think people are especially tiptoeing around saying bad things about this movie for obvious reasons. Nobody wants to, you know, be an asshole to begin with, but also... I think a lot of love was put into this. Exactly. A lot of care was yeah. put into the casting, and I think um, there was a lot of hope put into it. And I think that's honestly what makes it hard. I think, I, I mean, I'm pretty sure I know what you're referring to, and I think that it makes it, it makes it tricky. It's a tricky line to toe. I think that it was a... A beautifully diverse and talented cast. I think that I think that not enough time was put into developing these individual characters that really had this potential. It felt like a lot of it was if you had picked one or two things to follow, which is not the spirit of the book and really can't be done with this movie, but this could have been a lot more of a whole film, an enjoyable film, a film. Like, it is a beautiful film in a lot of ways, but it's also incredibly convoluted and frustrating. Yeah, I mean, there were parts that were groanable, where, like, somebody, a character would speak, and I'd go, oh, God, where I just... The the vague niceties being the power to save the day, but not really... It just... We'll get we'll get into all of that, but all right. So we're doing things slightly differently. We're trying to have a little bit more of a formula. Uh, so rather than going through a ton of characters together, Dan and I are each choosing characters that we want to discuss that we liked, and characters that we didn't like that we want to discuss, and uh, and then we'll talk about sort of the structure and how we would rewrite it and stuff like that. But that way, we're, it's not a lot of... Because, I mean, when you get to Black Panther, we had so many of the same feelings that I think it's kind of good for us to each take take the wheel on, on specific characters. Yeah. Agreed. So let's start with some of the good. Uh, Adair, why don't you tell me your thoughts about uh, Mindy Kaling's character, Mrs. Uh, Who? Uh, um, so Mrs. Who is... So the thing that's hard is I really like Mindy Kaling. I think she has she's just got an incredible energy that does definitely show itself on on screen. And I think she's really good in movies and I would love to see her in more films. Uh, She's starting to slowly become more uh, more of a film actress and she's still doing TV shows. But like she's got Ocean's 8 coming up and I'm excited to see her in that. I think she's going to be really funny. the thing about Mrs. Who is she, only, for the majority of the film, she is speaking in quotes. So there's not a whole lot you can do. I think she really plays it very well, though, for having a role where she is just saying other people's words. I didn't really like the the rewrites, the the damn uh, and stuff like that. Like, I, I wasn't a huge fan of that. But I think it, it showed a little bit of personality. And I did I did like that. And so it's hard because, like, certain things, like, I like and then I don't like. I'm like, that was that was great to sort of see her come out. And it seemed very Mindy Kaling. I don't know how Mrs. It Who did. it seemed. Uh, yeah. But, like, I think she had th- her introduction in that, that house was really lovely. Like, it was very – it was very – Comparatively to when Reese Witherspoon entered into everything, I liked it because it sort of allowed a little bit more time to have everything settle. 
because it felt like things like were really were kind of slow going slow going slow going and then a lot of stuff started happening so that scene gave some time to process what was going on and to process that something weird was happening and especially in the scenes driven by by the youngest of the characters i feel like the energy gets was just a little annoying to me and so despite him kind of guiding that scene i think it was um i think it was a really sweet scene and i think that made me like him a little bit more um because when you have a precocious child it is it is hard there's a fine line between adorable and frustrating and this is a character charles wallace is a character that can be done really well and you can love him or you can be absolutely annoyed by him and that's enough on that but my favorite moment in that scene and it was a moment that I just kind of like touched my heart and it made me actually really like Charles Wallace in that scene was uh when he was introducing her to Miss Who and she said this is my Meg and held her hand and there there was there was a very sweet moment in that and I would have loved more moments like that scene Uh, it felt like introverted comparatively to a lot of the extroverted parts of this film. I felt like a majority of this film was very, it was a lot of exposition. Um, And I really wanted more of that. It made me feel a lot of things. And I think that's what Wrinkle in Time is about. And I think it's about those emotions. It's about those connections. And so, yeah, I, I, I did really love Mindy Kaling. I thought her costume changes were really great and the glasses were like beautiful and just like she, it, it's such a crazy thing to think. I think she, I can't remember. I think she was pregnant, mm-hmm. like right at the f- starting of this film um, or something like that. It's very interesting to think about where she was at in her life while she was filming this. And I guess for me that like got me a little bit. But yeah, I, I would say she just, she had some really good moments. I would have liked to see her more. I would have liked her to have more going on. Um, I could have done with other characters having less Reese Witherspoon and her having a bit more. I agree. And so, yeah, that's – so, yeah, and so I – we obviously have a big heavy hitter in this film, and I would love you to talk to me about Oprah. Um the selling point of this movie i mean she she's she's fucking oprah you know so she's she's great and you're always get, you're always going to enjoy oprah and i felt like unlike a lot of roles like say the color purple or uh what is it the immortal life of henry Thank you. i was like henry um it, this was her most Oprah E, like she's a guiding figure for a young person. She's literally the biggest character in this movie. Um, it actually reminded me a lot. For those of you who listen to Twenty Minutes of Banter, you know that I love me some Steven Universe, and she reminded me of a character from Steven Universe called Rose Quartz. If you know what I'm talking about, great. If you don't, then educate yourself. Anyways. Oprah guiding a young person on a journey through trials and tribulations, however contrived or vague they may be. I did appreciate Oprah attempting to get someone to see their self-worth. That is 
especially having listened to some interviews where Oprah just talks about her own life story and her own struggles and how realizing she had something to contribute and realizing she meant something was a profound moment for her that came when she was uh, in her late teens. Um, that was that was cool to watch her try and encourage someone to just see themselves not even as special necessarily, but just as worth a damn. And I, I like the I like the the notes and the the moments that focus on self worth and self love in Meg's story. And Oprah was driving that whole narrative. Um, she wasn't as interesting i think as mindy calling or or even reese witherspoon as far as what they chose to do with those characters she wasn't at, it wasn't as big of a choice or as a specific a choice it was just more of sort of a broad general sage wizard guide you know whatever sort of archetype you want to call it but I still enjoyed it. Maya has a term that I can't use, but I I thought of it a lot when I was watching Wrinkle in Time. Magical Negro. Yeah. Yeah. We were watching a movie last night, but she was like, "It's a magic." That is that is a trope. Um, that is problematic. Normally played. Normally played by. Normally Morgan Freeman. played by Morgan Freeman. Yep. And but because she didn't do a whole lot of magic, I felt like it kind of moved away from there, a little bit. Like. Yeah. And it it would have been a whole lot worse if she was explaining to some little white kid how to fix their problems. I think, but so you true. know, I'm not the I'm not the cultural representation police. I don't really uh, feel qualified to comment on that. Although for some reason, I feel qualified to talk about movies. So who knows? This bold sense of entitlement uh, it's dangerous. You are nothing if not entitled. I'd be really interested to hear what Maya has to think. She hasn't seen it yet, but I would like to hear what she has to think of uh, what she thinks about it, um, just based on her her experiences with it as well. I was talking to her a little bit about it and, and sort of trying to explain like my thought process on it and everything, uh, without saying don't see it or see it. It did feel like I, a I, high budget Disney Channel movie to me. It felt like that for me too, a little bit, but it fell flat in certain parts that were. I mean, ab- you've got an absentee parent, mm-hmm. you've got bullying, yep. you've got a kid that is emotionally damaged, you've got a precocious little sibling, <laughs> you've got some sort of weird magical spirit guide. Yep. Like it, it hit a, a lot of it. It's like they had a Disney go? checklist, or they're like, "How can mm-hmm. you know? Here's here's all the ingredients. They got the ingredients there, but there were." They were all in the wrong proportion and added in the wrong order. It just yeah. If yeah. I, there were certain times where I'm like, "What? Wait, wait, what? Huh? <laughs> oh, so it's about this. Oh, so it's about this. Oh, so it's about this. Like I had that moment so many times in this movie, and I'm like, pick a fucking theme and stick with it. You get two, two that work in tandem. Maybe three if you're really good. You don't get five. I just. It's no. Um, speaking of things that were frustrating, do you want to talk to me about Charles Wallace? I don't. I, okay, I'm going to talk to you about Charles Wallace, and then I never want to talk about Charles Wallace again. Okay, I don't want to be mean that. to a child actor, so I'm not going to make mm-hmm. this about his acting. Although the delivery did add to the grating nature of it. 
Mm-hmm. It's frustrating to have a character with secret knowledge or, or who is on the ends or who buys into the quest or the world immediately, right? Like, good example. Chronicles of Narnia. When the first child goes in and meets Mr. Tomnus and experiences Narnia and comes back and tells her siblings... We're with her for that journey. We get to see her introduction to the world as well. And we're on her side and believe her when she's like, no, you know, guys, believe me. It's a thing. Come on. You have to. It's winter all the time. It's winter all the time. Um, It's Montana. But with Charles Wallace, whatever insight he gained where he um, spoke to Mrs. What's It for the first time and somehow understood that their father had tessered somewhere. We'll get into tessering because... And... Understood something that we saw a film and still don't understand what was going on. If we had been allowed insight, if we had come along with him, I think he would have been a lot less irritating. But the fact that this kid had some perfect knowledge and yet no real skills besides cooking milk, whatever the hell that means. Like with Storm Reed, with Meg... We saw her calculate velocity. She explained physics concepts. She she expressed her skills in science and math to us to explain her worth and value in this specific quest. Like, what does she add to the table? Charles Wallace, at best, is going to be Oscar Wilde when he grows up. Like, he's, he's trying very hard to be quippy. He's trying very hard to be clever. Um, but there's no... There's no skill. There's no specific knowledge. There, there wasn't anything that he himself possessed that aided them in their quest besides being annoying and just knowing things. Of like, oh, just trust it. Oh, you just have to believe. Oh, just blah, blah, blah. And I, I can buy that from one of the witches, somebody who's already of that world. But he came from our world with with them. He wasn't he wasn't a part of this larger universal war, I don't know, that was going on. So for him to know everything and yet to be the one corrupted by the darkness at the end, I just I, I didn't understand what they wanted me to get from his character. Like if I did think that him and, and Meg had a pretty interesting relationship. It was good, and I, I appreciated that. And I, I did buy her love for him. But I, every time the kid opened his mouth after about 25 minutes of that movie, I I, I lost interest in it because I was like, so he's just going to know what's going on. And he's going, like, if that was my little brother, it would irritate the ever-loving piss out of me. Be like, dude, I, just stop, stop talking. Like, I don't, I don't believe you, and I don't care. Uh, or, or I'd start grilling him. How do you know this? How could you possibly know any of this? Why are you so well informed about aspects of the universe that are theoretical at best and are being experienced for the first time by people? And this six-year-old is like, no, no, I got it. I totally understand what's happening. Calvin, you come too. It's all part of this plan. Yeah, yeah. 
Don't, oh, Calvin, you felt compelled to leave your house and go on a walk. Thanks for that exposition. We couldn't figure out a reason for you to be here narrative. Her bully conveniently lives next door, but Calvin couldn't have lived next door to Mrs. Who's house or something like that. That we couldn't have done. Instead, he had to be compelled by the universe to go for a walk. Uh, and Charles Wallace knows it. You're you're good at diplomacy. We're going to need you. When did he ever exercise diplomacy? <laughs> yeah, I was like, what the fuck? He was just telling him how great it, uh, telling Meg how great it was that she threw a ball at her bully's face. Right? Like That's not diplomatic. That's not very diplomatic. Uh, it was Yeah, Charles Wallace gave bold and terrible explanations. It felt like I don't know, a, a white guy trying to criticize movies. I, it just it just didn't make sense to me. <laughs> Welcome to my I'm, life. I'm aware of my uh, yeah. privilege. I'm cha- I'm trying to check it. <laughs> um, well, yeah, and it's it's sort of, as a person who's worked off and on with children for a majority of my life, uh, I've encountered a lot of, like, precocious kids. I worked with one a lot when I was in uh, Rob Browning's son, Nick. Super precocious kid, very, very intelligent. I'm not going to just follow him because he tells me there's some sort of secret mission we're going on. Like, you take everything those kids say with a grain of salt. Exactly. Uh, But yeah, no, it's just, you don't follow the precocious kid into some sort of shimmery dimension. You don't just tesser here and there because a kid says so. (sighs) You know who does just tesser without thinking, though? Who's that, Adair? Chris Pine. Honestly. Honestly, Chris Pine. Honestly. Um, I like Chris Pine. He did a great job in Wonder Woman. I think he's a great Captain Kirk. Like, I think he's he's doing some fun things. I did not like him in this film. I thought he was... He could not decide what kind of character he was. He couldn't decide if he was... The misunderstood genius, the dedicated father, the uh, the person who wants to shake hands with the universe. Like, he couldn't decide what his character was. Like, he, you, he, in that first opening scene when Meg's a kid and they're about to adopt Charles Wallace and everything, there's a beautiful moment, like, where he's talking about love enfolds and, like, that's a great thing where it doesn't disappear nothing disappears it's just it's it just it's always gonna be there and that's a great way to set up this science i'm sorry i'm gonna whack my knees this scientific but loving father this person who he straddles two worlds he is an intelligent man that's how he met his wife They are seeking out the mysteries of the universe in big and small ways, but they are dedicated parents. What he did did not make any sense to me based on that because he's watching his wife and his new son in the kitchen and then all of a sudden there's this weird apparition. He walks into it rather than consulting his wife, who is also a scientist. She would understand things. And in the next room. It's not yeah. like he was way off at the lab somewhere. And then disappears for four years. Then when found, he's like kind of crazy and paranoid for obvious reasons. But at the first chance to 
abandon his son, who he's missed out on so much of his life, he goes for it. Like, and at the end, he's like apologizing. And he's like, I was trying to shake the hand of the universe when I should have been holding your hand. And it's like, you know what? You can be both people, but like, you're not being either of them very well. The, um, I think this is uh, the problem. The more and more we get into streaming and HBO quality content, we are capable of understanding and expect and want really complex characters just as an audience. But without enough time, then characters seem disjointed or just too all over the place. If we don't spend enough time to get to know the different facets of them, it's, and this goes back to the same problem with the movie itself. If you try to do too many things in a, in less than two hours, you end up just kind of half-assing all of it. Yeah, either cut down on the plots, cut down on the characters, or lengthen this film. Like, even, you know, Lord of the Rings, It's a, they're long films, but they at least encapsulate a majority of what we want to see. We tolerate it because it makes sense for plot. But no, I just, I, so yeah. I just, uh, Chris Pine, I, I think he has a lot of potential, but I think it was miscast or he was misdirected in this because I, I, I think it's honestly a little bit of both. Like, I think he just was lost. He's not, he's not acting with other people for a lot of it. He's sort of coming in at random scenes. I think he's an actor that does really well if he's throughout the plot. But if he's just doing these standalone scenes and he's gone for a majority of the action, I think he kind of falters. I think he loses his way. I don't know why my hands are making claws. The, the Chris Pine claws. My Chris, He's got to get my, his hooks in my, my claw pines. <laughs> <laughs> I think we've got a three-act structure, kind of, but the, I was about to say, do the we? first act but do is we? 50 minutes long. It takes us, and then the second act is very, very short. Very short, and then the third act is, you know, longer. Um, and hey, we're gonna throw Michael Pena in here. Yeah, and his eyes are real red. And also Bellamy, uh, Bellamy Young, I think is her name. She's on Scandal. Mm-hmm. She's in, like, she's 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 given a uh, she's given a a credit, but she's in a scene and has three lines. And I was just like, why did you need to cast this person in this role? I feel like it's honestly, it was like a little weird to me because I expected there to be more to the character. Well, and I, or- I, I think that um, if, if, we, if we look at this cast, it is kind of largely TV. Like Chris Pine is the only person who is consistently a film actor. Oprah's a star in her own category. I'd say, except for Big Little Lies, Reese Witherspoon is also a very big film star. She was. I think Reese... She was just in a movie. I know, but I, in, my, in my estimation, I think Reese Witherspoon feels more like a small screen actress today. I think, obviously, her career, like, by the numbers, is majority film. But I think because mm-hmm. of the success of Big Little Lies, I think her presence and because of the diminishing box office for her film work over the last several years she feels more small screen she is she is a movie star 
Like, I will grant you that. But between Mindy Kaling, Oprah, the kids. Um, I mean, the kids were in anything. Yeah. Really yeah. any, um, it, any much any thing. Any much thing. Rowan Blanchard's Girl Meets World. <laughs> I think it. The, cast, the casting is good. Um, for the most part, I would have recast Calvin and uh, Charles Wallace and probably Chris Pine. I love me some Gugu and Batura, but she had very little to do. She was like the best she part of this movie, great. in my opinion. But she, her role was too small to like have much. She, but she rocked the scene she oh, yeah. had. Um, she had a shitty thing that she had to do, and she did a great job. I love Gugu. Uh, I think she needs to be in everything. Just, Since Sen Junipero, I've been team oh, Gugu. She's so good. She's so fucking talented. Like I said. She was great I, in Cloverfield Paradox. I said, I said this to you on the phone. I want Gugu Mbatha-Ra and Carrie Washington to be in a movie together where they are sisters who have to pull off a heist or something. Or honestly, Carrie Washington's show's ending. Maybe they need to have a show. <gasps> that would be awesome. I would I would subscribe to that in a heartbeat. Um, but that would be on my Hulu's like list. It it just takes us way too long to get into this world, as far as like structurally speaking. Mm-hmm. It takes us almost an hour to test her somewhere, like and to really understand it, and then we test her to one planet, figure out. A lot of stuff, kind of. We kind of uh, we, we we talk to flowers. It's uh, Act Two is terrible, and then well, I mean, it's it's strongly led by Reese Witherspoon, right. which just was exhausting. It was not, she was not. She came in at a hundred, and at first I liked it, and then I didn't like it anymore. Yeah, I never I never understood what she brought to the table. I was like, I don't understand cynicism. Yeah, like you're really you're just kind of neg and meg. And she's Megan. Yeah. I give to you the gift of your faults. Like, if you're going to do the whole Wizard of Oz bullshit, I give you a gift thing. They should all be vague niceties instead of like, here are some glasses that'll actually help you. I give you the gift of your faults and I give you the gift of this journey. I, I was like, okay, our whole crossing the threshold moment is happening way too late into the game. And what yeah it kind of worked out script wise they they she used all the gifts but like just make it heart brains and courage or don't don't give a physical gift and then two weirdly vague yeah gifts. it's like the the wise man who gave gold the other two are looking at him and like dude what the fuck you know that we, we said frankincense mirth and rosemary, <laughs> rosemary not gold what are they what are they gonna do with gold huh what are they gonna do with it well i don't know they look pretty fucking poor Bye. to me <laughs> Buy a room at the inn. Yeah, right. Well, Come in with that gold. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Reese Witherspoon, if we can take a brief aside. I love Reese Witherspoon. I think she's an incredible producer. I think she's very talented. I think she's transitioned to a point in her career where small screen roles, like she's doing with Big Little Lies and like she's going to do in the upcoming Jennifer Aniston project she's doing for Apple, uh, yeah, Jennifer Aniston and Reese Witherspoon are going to co-star in a show about a morning talk show um, for Apple's unnamed streaming offering. Oh, yes, another streaming of device. Of course. Yes, that's just what I need, right? though. Just, you have to understand, I, oh, like, I, 
what's good for Apple is great for me. No, I get you. Um, but I think as an actress, I think she she is a small screen talent. The at this point, she will do very well yeah. there. Yeah. Um, as a producer, I do like her producing film and, and TV stuff, and I think she's doing a great job. But her core audience has aged up to the point where a lot of them are moms. And I think that she does drive some audience and would be and is responsible for some of the box office at a wrinkle in time. But what I got when I showed up was not uh not a great character, not a awesome performance not someone i wanted to watch for so many minutes oh i just i was like just take some stuff away and give it mindy kaling another quote yeah or like give her an arc like if she's impetuous and maybe the youngest of these witches because that's how i'm choosing to think of that's what i mean she was like that and like that's what she was doing and that's why she was like just so she was just a lot. She didn't get a chance to change or redeem herself. She just got to awkwardly flirt with Zach Galifianakis. With Zach Galifianakis. I was like, what? Is that a win for us? Like, I don't, I don't even know. I mean, I feel like it's a, it's a win for representation of um, fat white guys with beards as attractive. But Judd Apatow has really just made that a staple by now. So we didn't really need that. True. So true. Yeah, it was, it was, uh, yeah. I just, I, I, I'm, I'm feeling like I'm Thumper's mom right now. If I can't say anything nice, I shouldn't say anything at all. It was just, it was a lot. And there are so many other ways to, honestly, the whole scene where she becomes the weird leafy stingray (laughs) was unnecessary. Like it was just unnecessary. Like I got that it was pretty or whatever. And no, it's just it it cutting that and giving us more explanation because they can see it from the ground. They don't need to be that high up. And I think they were trying to do something more about like relating to the book and not and like give that to the book lovers, but it it doesn't make for a good film. It was just confusing. I was like, am I watching Avatar right now? Like it felt very Avatar-esque to me, and I, I did not like that. Yeah, I... A flying cabbage ride is not something I signed up for, and I think it didn't provide anything except for the opportunity for Meg to talk about the phenomenon of lift, which I was like, see? Science. Science is cool. Stick with the science. Talk more about quantum entanglement as like a metaphor for love or something, anything. I don't know. Just quit introducing things and then just leaving them there at me like, build like, your own big- movie. Hexus <laughs> is here. <laughs> Figure it out. Yeah, Hexus. I'm like, oh, 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 what? Okay. Um, the It, which... Which I, ma- I made some It jokes. I'm glad. Throw, throw a few at me. Yeah. What do you got? Oh, no. Oh, no, no, no. Oh, well, I, I was like, I, I when I saw it, I was like, I didn't realize Bill Skarsgård was in this right? film. And I was like, David Oyello, you're no Bill Skarsgård. <laughs> um, yeah, we if we were going to, yeah, the, the it should have been more terrifying. It was not really scary. It looked like, like charcoal brain synapses. It kind of reminded me of when... Um, Bill Sarsgaard was the bad guy in in uh, Green Lantern, and how he became like that weird, amorphous creature uh, at the end. Like how it was just 
he was then part so it like started as him being like oddly deformed and then they like melded and it got really like creepy and that's kind of what it reminded me of only i was even less scared which is saying something because i wasn't scared at all adair miss rice yeah. my meg if you will oh well that's your name so um uh how would you fix this movie what would you do well, I cut the cabbage ride. <laughs> it's not a it's not a theme park ride that we want, nor that should be made. I'd cut that. I'd honestly cut like at least uh, we don't. If we're not gonna use Goo Goo, we don't need to torture her more than we already are. We don't need that part. I got that they were trying to show that certain teachers were infected by this hatred or this jealousy or this nervousness. They could have done that quicker. Um, it felt very unbelievable. And I would recast Charles Wallace uh, and Calvin. It just didn't feel right. It didn't feel, the whole dynamic between the three of them did not feel natural. Um, I'm being FaceTimed and I'm trying to decline it. No, answer Sorry. it. We'll have a guest on the show. <laughs> I already canceled oh, it. Damn it. Um, Sorry. Uh, here, fine. Hold on. Let's see if this works. Oh, hello. Oh, hello. Daniel. Sir, you probably can't hear me, can you? He can't hear you, but he he can imagine what you're saying. Hi, I'm glad you invested in a helmet. You're on the podcast. Again. uh, Are we celebrating my Oscar win? You didn't win. I didn't win? No. So, oh, so it seems like a real smart choice for FaceTime and bike. It's very hip. What? Um, no, it doesn't seem like it. That's, it was sarcasm. It's hands free. Fair. Um, do you have a basket or like a cell phone holder on your? I have a cell phone holder. Oh wow, God, that's pretentious AF. Oh yeah. I'm uh, a cyclist, yo. Yeah. What did you think about Wrinkle in Time? Oh, it's just trash. Yeah. It was so uneven. Like, it had no idea what it was trying to be. Thank, Thank you. you. It's, like it's, like, he's, like, he's, it's like he's listening to our podcast right, right? now. Who is your favorite? Like, Sorry, what? It's like Ava DuVernay read the book and was like, I don't know what to do. I'm just going to do the book exactly, but terribly. Yeah. And uh, what was your? who was your favorite character and who was your least favorite character? Uh, this is who is my favorite character. Mine Excuse too. Me, Mrs. Who, Mrs. Who's on first. <laughs> then Mrs. What's on second is my second favorite character. Okay. Wait. And then, uh, wait, you liked you liked What's It? No, no, no. Okay. Uh, Mrs. Who, my favorite. Yeah. Uh, least favorite is uh, that little boy. Okay. Charles Anthony. S- Charles Wallace, but yeah. Charles Manson. Yeah, Charles Anthony was terrible. So you're you're that. pretty you're pretty well in line with Dan and I then. Good. Good. <laughs> All right. Well, see you in twenty five minutes. Okay. Love you. Love you. Bye. Bye. <laughs> I think he, loves he was just you. trying to tell. <laughs> I think he was just trying to tell me he was on his way, not realizing I was still podcasting. That's okay. I'm glad that the timing um, has worked out. Yeah, me too. Uh, I think it t- took longer for him to set up the trailer than he expected because he was going to originally just bring the bike and the trailer over and then realized he could not fit all of it into his Audi. 
So, Could have gotten an um, Emmy. It's true. It's true. Uh, sorry. I would change it by taking out the extraneous parts that didn't really commit to the plot. Like, even though they were being true to the book, I think that you're. it's a film. Like, film adaptations aren't always going to be word for word to the book. Like, even Perks of Being a Wallflower, which was redone by the author and you know was a beautiful adaptation there was stuff that was missing which is totally fine because movies and books are different and we want the essence and by trying to be uh, by trying to follow through with so much stuff you don't you lose the essence in it and so what you said earlier pick two things focus on those things recast the characters that didn't work there wasn't really chemistry between the core three kids yeah. Like cast, and honestly, like cast like some sort of flippant, like manic pixie dream girl as Mrs. What's It? Like Zooey Deschanel, like we expect her to be impetuous and like nuts or or Juno Temple would have been an interesting I would have gone with Aquafina. Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm excited to see her in, in a, I, I'm excited to see her in a, and Ocean's I'm 8. I'm really excited for that movie. I recently rewatched Ocean's 11. And by rewatched, I mean finished it for the first time because I was one of those dicks who was like, well, if it doesn't have Sinatra in it, how is it really Ocean's 11? Um, that sounds like does, you. That's a really that great Dan impression. That sounds exactly like me. Um, and rewatching that, I was like, yeah, when they do a heist movie right, it's great. So I'm, I'm very excited for that movie. Yeah. Personally. Also... Yeah, I would just, I would make it, I would give it the Hexus voice. I would give, I would give it the Hexus voice. Mm-hmm. Or Bill Skarsgård's voice. Right? Um, yeah, I think, I have zero attachment to the book. Don't give a shit. The way this was pitched, the way this movie has been talked about, has been two things. One, it's diverse as hell. It's super diverse. It's, prim- it's you know, female-centric story, female-centric cast. Awesome. Within the context of the film, they did it perfectly in that they never brought that up. They never brought up, oh, look how many people of color and women there are in this. Like, they never made, they never turned and winked at you. It just happened. And I think that part, great. They did that right. I think, like I said, let's focus on something, but I'll be even more specific. Let's just look at Chris Pine talking about quantum entanglement as an allegory for love. And that's what it is about. We don't need the bully and the outcasty shit. We can do that very quickly without making the bully an actual character and having to then show empathy for the bully by making sure we know that she has it hard. She's got her own problems and all that. I don't need that. All I need to know is that Meg is an outsider. We can establish that very quickly, recast the brother, show him first meeting Mrs. What's It, because I need I need to know why he's just on board with all this stuff, or if he, if you're going to keep him in the know, have him know things that Meg isn't quite there with yet. Have him talking about scientific principles that are a little bit out there. But if we make it about quantum entanglement as a stand-in for love and how love binds the universe together through quantum entanglement, let's follow through on that. And even mirror that back for the self-love that Meg needs to discover. 
talk about how her atoms ha- were once a part of a star, you know, how she is a part of the universe. And if you love the universe, if you are fascinated by existence, you have no choice but to love yourself because you are a part of this. That's it. There's that, that like, if you focus on that, forget about the adopted family stuff that's important but it can still it can still feed back into that main narrative of like well he may be adopted but we're all a part of the universe like if you're going for this uniformity and maybe the it is trying to separate things maybe the it it felt like the it was trying to i I, like i had no motivation for the it what does the it want bad guys bad vibes all around bad guys who aren't understandable are not bad guys killmonger is a great villain because you could kind of see where he's coming from and mm-hmm. this was the second worst movie i've seen this year and i feel like if they had just put up a poster that said quantum entanglement equals love in the writer's room for jennifer lee to look at instead of the you know frozen posters and bags of money that i'm sure line her office um I think we could have had something that was tighter and more focused and directional because what this came across as was like bad fanfic. This came across as scattered, disorganized niceties. The whole thing was just kind of nice. There was never any real danger that I felt. There was never any real stakes. Like their dad's already gone. So the stake is maybe we get him back. Uh, I, I mean, we're, I was frustrated because I saw the potential and it actually made me want to read the book, which is weird because it was so bad. I was like, I got to see like this thing has this book has been out for 50 years. It came out in 1961 and it has just been a a, a staple, like you said, for middle grade and uh, of middle Mm -hmm. grade fiction. Like people read this in grade school or junior high and Mm -hmm. there's a huge swath of our generation that loved this book. And I don't think I see what all the fuss is about after this movie. Like, I don't get it. So now I kind of want to read the book to, to just understand what people saw. It's like the fandom toll booth. You're like, but what? But I don't. Mm, I, yeah. I, I, um, how I actually thought about this was I never read the His Dark Materials. Mm-hmm. And the Golden Compass made me think, why does everyone like these books? Yeah. I was so perplexed by it. I mentioned this because I recently uh, borrowed from the from the library, the Golden Compass. Any good? Um, I'm I'm like just starting it. I had other things going on, um, but no. I mean, it's just it's it's one of those things that that's that was sort of my reaction to that movie that came out a long time ago but that i only recently watched and it's awful um and makes no sense to me i'm like nicole kidman why but uh yeah so it was you know things are misguided uh but yeah so it's hard because it's this it's sensitive material but it was it wasn't handled with care I felt like there was care, but not deftness of execution. Like I could feel that Ava Duver- Ava du- Ava Duvernay, uh, really Ava Duvernay. cared, but I, I don't know if I, 
it's her or the script or studio meddling or I mean there was stuff in the trailer that wasn't in the movie like there's a whole scene where uh, Storm Reed was explaining stuff to Calvin um, and that was cut um, so mm-hmm. I don't I don't get what the it wants it's just negative feelings I was like so when you're putting good vibes out you're fighting the it that's a good vibe like are for. when you know who you are you're happier and thus destroying it it's like they hit they ah. hit me over the head with that but with a feather duster i mean it wasn't I, uh, so with goo goo in the beauty and the beast ah, look at that it all comes full circle i like to think that chris pine tessered out of that plane uh in wonder woman that's my head cannon that he's still alive so that he tessered because of his love for Diana. Now Kristen Wiig's coming. I will withhold judgment because they did a great job with the first one. And if Patty's excited, I will pretend to be too. Did you like my cheetah though? Covering itself up with a blanket. It's like, I need a minute. When I saw it, I just was like, I just need to text Dan, and he'll know. I got you. He'll understand. I'm glad we're we're both cautious about that. If you were going to give this movie a different title, what would it be? It. What about you, Dan? Big Little Tries. <laughs> I could tell it was a good one because your your eyes smiled. I was smizing, to quote Tyra you Banks. Smizing. I, uh, yeah, I, I thought of that one halfway through this episode, and I was like, "Don't give it away." You didn't. I'm proud of you. Uh, yeah, I just I'm sad about this, man. Yeah. I'm going to go see Game Night tonight or tomorrow because uh, that's supposed to be pretty funny. And Yeah, I've heard good things. Let me know how it I is. I will. I'll, I'll, even, I'll tweet at um, someone involved with it and be like, hey, just saw your movie. It's not getting enough credit. I hope you're, I hope you're knowing that, uh, that we like you and it's okay. Yeah, that's Jesse Plemons. Uh, yeah, I want to see that soon. I'll see it soon. There's just been so many. I've been on my Oscar like hunt and just like trying to see all the films I can, all of the things. Of and then now I'm like heavily entrenched in streaming things. Well, I think our next uh, our next film that's on our on our slate's probably gonna be Ready Player One, which I'm nervous about because I liked that book a lot. Well. You know, we got that, and we got uh, April has been completely reshuffled, so we'll see what happens there. But oh, because we what, didn't we think Cloverfield was coming out around, and then? we also thought New Mutants was, but that's been delayed, and now Avengers is happening. Um, I don't know, maybe we'll do Tomb Raider for fun or something. Who knows? We'll figure something out. Or maybe we'll talk about writing maybe, again. Well, we could get around to that. I think I should be done yeah, with a couple of things writing. that I might actually be proud of and might want to talk about. So. Yeah, I liked the poem you sent me. I didn't read it till this morning, but I liked it oh, a lot. Oh, I'm glad. Yeah, check out our blog. Uh, it'll be they'll be up. There's poems always, always up. up. There's new poems every week. Every week there's a new poem. Two new poems actually. Mm-hmm. Enjoy. Yeah. It's uh, everything's an island. You got it. What?
We'll see you next time, guys. Keep writing. Uh, and slowly clap. Slow Claps and Rewrites is effortlessly produced by Daniel Crary and Adair Rice. Editing is executed by Daniel Crary to the best of his abilities. Slow Claps and Rewrites is a volume in the Secret Weapon Productions Library. Copyright 2018. All rights reserved in perpetuity. Like Mickey Mouse. <laughs> <laughs>